Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. This show is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, who's going to chat with us today about the white mass and his homily to those in the medical profession. Thanks for being here, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Good to be with you. Are are you a good patient? Do you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've really. Do you follow I've the doctors' great orders? Doctors. And, yeah, I yeah. do. I think I'm pretty good, except the dentist. <laughs> I sometimes don't follow like flossing right. like I should, but <laughs> I, I, I feel like sitting down at the dentist is like going to confession. Like, uh, yeah, it's I've I've flossed like three times since, since, <laughs> since my last the last, since the last appointment. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like me. I make a resolution. Yeah, <laughs> and I start, and then yeah, oh best my of intentions. <laughs> well, good. So the white mass. We've talked about this multiple times. I was actually, I think I'll go look up different episodes on the white mass and maybe make a list of them if people want to go back and listen because there's overlap from from these conversations, but also I think new revelation and new insight that you are able to provide. We talked about the red mass is for those in the legal profession. White masses for those in the medical profession. How, how long have we been doing these white masses? Do you have any idea? Well, at least since I've been here. Okay. I don't know if they were celebrated before I became bishop here, but I know the medical guilds began after I came here, and I was really happy that we have uh, Catholic medical guilds in both Fort Wayne and South Bend. So the recent white mass was in the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Fort Wayne, and it was on the feast of... St. Luke, who's the patron saint of physicians and surgeons, Mm -hmm. just like last year. Usually, you know, White Mass is celebrated sometime in October, you Mm -hmm. know, near the Feast of St. Luke. Well, now two years in a row, we were able to actually have it on the Feast of St. Luke, which is fun, funny because you have to wear red vestments because. Okay. Yeah. For, for St. Luke. And people will say, well, bishops, it's the White Mass. Why are you wearing red? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's actually the white mask because of white coats that doctors and nurses would sure. wear or doctors would wear or the white uniforms that nurses would wear. And so I joked with the congregation. I said, since I'm, you know, wear, since I'm wearing red, I think next year you should all come in your white lab coats. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so St. Luke is the patron state of physicians, but there's also a lot of saints that are patron of different medical profession and specialties and things like that. Yeah. I, I mean, St. Gianna Molo would be one, uh, St. Cosmos and Damien. Correct. I, I mean, there's probably, yeah. I, if I had to guess, it would probably be like a hundred of them that would serve different parts of the medical fe- profession. Yeah. I think different, there are different saints for like pharmacists and dentists. Sure. I yeah. know like St. Apollonia for dentists. Right. But I think St. Luke is more, you know, with the white mass, it's mm-hmm. usually at the time of the Feast of St. Luke. And that's probably the oldest as far as patron for for those in the medical profession, you know, because the evangelist Luke was a physician. We know that from scripture. So that really makes a lot of sense. So we have these special masses. We talked about the red mass and for those in the legal profession, this for the, those in the medical profession. Do you think those two professions need extra prayers and, and support because there's, there may be more under attack as far as living out your faith in those. Or do you think this is all professions have a special need for to be to be prayerful and be considering how our faith fits into our professions? 
Yeah, I think all professions, but there is a particular importance to those who serve in the medical and legal professions for sure. But there's also a tradition not as widespread of blue masses for those for police and mm-hmm. those who provide emergency aid, et cetera. So there's a lot of different prof- we all need prayer. But the tradition of the red mask goes back to the 13th century. I don't know how far back the white mask goes. I'd have to research that. Do you think there's more ethical and moral issues that come up in those professions than, say, you know, business, accounting? Even, yeah, even, I mean, they're particularly regarding the issues of life, yeah. bioethical issues for sure. You know, and oftentimes in my homilies on the at the White Mass, I'll talk about those issues. Mm-hmm. Because really, you know, the medical profession is to be at the service of life and that's and health. So it's it's very important. You recently went to the Catholic Medical Association conference in Denver. Right. Any insights from that trip? It was a great visit. I had never been to the national convention of the Catholic Medical Association, so I got to meet, you know, several people I knew. There were mm-hmm. people from the Diocese of Harrisburg, there were priest that I had taught when I was in the seminary as rector. So it was always, it's always nice national gatherings. I usually see people that I've, that I've known. And there was a good contingent. There were a good contingent of doctors from our diocese at the convention in Denver. So that was a nice surprise. And I celebrated mass. It was the feast of St. Peter Claver Mm -hmm. and was able to talk about his caring for the slaves, including their medical needs, even though he wasn't a doctor, he, he helped them and, you know, bandaging wounds and things like that, pouring oil on their wounds and, you know, helping them. So that was, no, that was great. And then, as I said, we have two guilds of the Catholic Medical Association in our diocese. Mm-hmm. I have to check on how the guild's doing in South Bend because um, we haven't had a white mass there in a few years. And I think it kind of got stalled because of COVID, because the mass was held at St. Joseph Regional Medical Center in Mishawaka. And I think there were COVID restrictions in the chapel there. So uh, I have to check on how they're doing. But I I think in the, the, the guild in Fort Wayne has continued to be active. It's the doctor, I'm drawing a blank, Jerome Lejeune guild. Yeah. Which he could be a topic for another episode, perhaps. Exactly. All right, well, I'll try to put a list of all the times that you've commented on uh, these white masses and shared your homilies with us. If people want to go back and look at those, you can find it, uh, the show notes for this and other past episodes at spokestreet.com slash askbishop. You can also submit questions there. And we're going to hear about Bishop's homily to those in the medical profession coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives with products, services, and education. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it back to our members. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with Bishop talking about the White Mass and your homily that you gave to 
those in the medical profession. Usually I am attending these because my wife is in the medical profession. And so I've, I've gotten to be at many of these white masses. We were out of town this time, so I, I didn't get to catch this one. So I'm excited to, to hear about your homily. Right. I'll give you a copy for your wife. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> well, since it was actually the Feast of St. Luke, October 18th, I talked about St. Luke as a physician. He was trained in the medical profession in the city of Antioch, which was one of the first major cities where that was evangelized by St. Peter, beginning with St. Peter and St. Paul. And Luke was a Gentile. He was a Gentile Christian, and he became a co-worker and companion of St. Paul in some of his missionary journeys. So Luke was not an eyewitness of Jesus. So he wasn't one of the 12, uh, but he wrote one of the four gospels and the Acts of the Apostles he Mm -hmm. wrote as well. And it's in his letter to the Colossians that St. Paul refers to Luke as the beloved physician, Hmm. the beloved physician. So I talked about the treasures that we have from Luke's writings, the gospel, the third gospel, and the Acts of the Apostles. They are really treasures because there's so much about the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus that we wouldn't know if it wasn't for Luke. Hmm. And so much of the Acts of the Apostles, we wouldn't know very much about the primitive church if we didn't have the book of Acts. And it's interesting, and I I mentioned this in the homily, the prologue, the first verses of Luke's gospel, he tells us why he's writing it, his intention. He said his intention for writing a historical account of the words and deeds of Jesus. And Luke says, well, others have undertaken to do what he was doing, to compile a narrative of events in Jesus's life. For example, uh, Mark. And actually, we know that Mark's gospel was one of the sources for Luke's gospel. Hmm. So it's shorter. It came first. Luke also, there were eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus that Luke learned from. Likely some of the 12 apostles Mm -hmm. that he spoke with possibly the Blessed Virgin Mary Hmm. and other eyewitnesses like Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Martha and Mary, Zacchaeus, Cleopas, etc. And we know St. Paul would have been a source, although St. Paul also wasn't an eyewitness of Jesus' life, but he would have been a source, I'd say, for some of the theology. Hmm. So Luke spent time investigating, studying, and interviewing with the purpose of compiling a narrative about the life of Jesus. And he says in the prologue, he writes that he, and I quote, he decided after investigating everything accurately anew to write it down in an orderly sequence. So he tells us that he did this investigation, that he sought to be accurate and to write it down in an orderly sequence. And that's very good because when you read Luke's gospel, you see it, it's very orderly. Uh And of course, we believe this was all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he was an excellent writer. As far as his Greek, it's the best in the New Testament. Hmm. And he was very well educated. Clearly, his Greek was so good. I'm 
And of course, he was a doctor, so he had to have a good education. And if you look at the length, if you add Luke's gospel and Acts together, he's the longest writer in the New Testament. So you might think it's St. Paul, but if you add up all the words and verses of Paul, it doesn't add up to as many verses and words as the two books by Luke. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we often realize this. Now, this year we've been in the, you know, the year of Luke. This Uh is year C. So the gospel throughout the year has been the gospel of Luke. Then, of course, in the White Mass, I'm addressing the doctor, the medical people. And I propose to them, since he's their patron saint, to maybe to read the whole gospel of Luke and all the acts of the apostles. I suggested Uh to them, and I'd say it to the listeners. After already telling them that it's the longest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I said, it might take a few months. Don't read it fast. Just Uh like maybe do a chapter a day or even less just so you can meditate on it. And the reason I said that is, is it is so beautifully written. And Luke just was a very good storyteller and his theology is very rich. Now, I would say, you know, I love John for the right. depth, but but Luke is also very rich theologically. And there are certain key themes in the gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles, especially the gospel. And different scholars will give like subtitles to Luke's gospel, like some will call it the gospel of mercy, because mercy is a very prominent theme. Some will call it the gospel of universal salvation. And that's extremely true because you see how he, well, of course, he is a Gentile himself, but he's also writing to Gentile Christians. So he emphasizes how Jesus came as the Savior of all. Then there's a certain priority he gives to the poor throughout the gospel. So Luke's gospel has also been called the gospel of the poor. And then if you notice some several weeks, the last probably a month ago or several weeks ago, it talked about all the requirements of discipleship. Mm-hmm. So some call Luke's gospel the gospel of absolute renunciation. You know, huh. so many times Luke talks about leaving everything behind, renouncing right. wealth, renounce, even, you know, leaving behind family, let mm-hmm. the dead bury the dead, all of that. So... That's another subtitle. I love to call it also, and some scholars will give it this subtitle, the gospel of prayer and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Throughout the gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles, we see a lot of mention of the Holy Spirit and prayer. As a matter of fact, among the evangelists, he's the one who gives us the most information about Jesus's prayer going off apart up the mountain, et cetera, to pray. Okay. I mean, we could do a whole series of programs on Luke's gospel. It's so, you know, taking each of these. And then a final subtitle that I've seen is some will call it the gospel of joy. And that's very, very clear as well. Now, in a homily, I couldn't cover all this. So I really wanted to share with the medical people who participated that first and second, those the first and second themes, and basically mercy, 
and universal salvation. And the reason I did that is I had an excellent course in the seminary called The Merciful Savior in the Gospel of Luke. And I really, it was a course that I really enjoyed, one of my favorite. So what we did in that course, we studied the passages in Luke's Gospel and in the Acts of the Apostles that focused on Jesus's saving mercy, most of which these stories are only found in Luke's gospel. They're not found in Matthew, Mark, and John. Mm. So even things like if, if some of the listeners pray the Liturgy of the Hours, you know, during morning prayer, we always begin with the canticle of Zechariah. We have, I mean, we have that during morning prayer. And in the evening prayer, we have the canticle of Mary, the Magnificat. And they're not in any other gospels. And they really both proclaim the mercy of the Lord. And we find them only in Luke, in the first chapter of Luke's gospel. So there's this emphasis on God's mercy. And think about it. Luke, the physician, is emphasizing how Jesus came as the divine physician Mm -hmm. to share his healing mercy with us. His mercy that brings healing to our souls. And there are so many passages where Luke shows us the mercy of Jesus and passages that we don't find in the other Gospels. I'll give you some examples. Jesus's tender care for the widow of Nain who had lost her son. So you see our Lord's mercy and then he raised her son from Mm -hmm. the dead. Jesus's love for the sinful woman in Simon the Pharisee's house who had anointed his feet. And remember, Jesus said that she loved much because she had been forgiven much. Mm. We see Jesus's mercy in Luke's account of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15. We wouldn't have any of those parables if it wasn't for Luke. He's the only one who wrote about them. Not just... uh, while back, we had the story of the rich man with the poor Lazarus begging at his gates. Now there we see kind of the opposite, where the rich man is condemned for not showing mercy. Then there's Jesus's desire to forgive in, in the episodes that Luke relates that are not in the other Gospels. The grateful leper who came back after mm-hmm. being healed one out of the ten. The story of Zacchaeus. The good thief crucified next to Jesus, and Jesus saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus forgave him from the cross, only in Luke's gospel. And only in Luke's gospel do we hear Jesus saying from the cross, crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the seven last words of Jesus. It's only in Luke's gospel. And then he gives, as he said at the beginning, that he was going to give an orderly account. It's a very orderly account. That's why Luke is an interesting and enjoyable gospel to read. But it's ordered towards teaching about the Lord's mercy, helping us to see our need for his mercy, encouraging us to receive it and then to share it. Now, I highlighted that for those in the medical profession, healthcare profession, Because, as I said to them, theirs is a vocation of mercy. 
and compassion, dedicated to the care of the sick, the suffering, and the dying. And in imitation of Jesus, the divine physician, they're called to treat their patients as persons with God-given dignity, not as numbers. Mm-hmm. And I encourage them to resist the temptation that's very prevalent these days to put corporate efficiency and cost reduction in first place. Huh. You know, I said, as disciples of Jesus, I told them, you're called to always put the needs of your patients in first place and then accompany them through their illness. Hmm. So I was really encouraging them, and, and they're very committed to this. These are good Catholic doctors and healthcare workers. Sure. I encourage them to practice medicine as a human and spiritual mission, as a true lay apostolate with the deep conviction from their Catholic faith that every human life is sacred. Mm-hmm. And their work seeks to bear witness by their words and their deeds that human life is always sacred and must be loved, defended, and cared for. So really, I express my thanks because I know these are committed Catholic healthcare workers. I thank them for the def- their defense of the inviolable dignity of their patients and of every human being. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this idea of mercy and compassion because, you know, it was so prominent in Luke's gospel and how so many of uh, in our society, including healthcare professions, will talk about mercy and compassion, but it's a false mercy and compassion. Hmm. For example, those who hold that it's a benefit or it's, it's compassionate to do an abortion or to encourage a woman to have an abortion. Well, that's false. That's false compassion. Yeah. Or those who say it's an act of dignity to perform euthanasia, an act of mercy, right? You know, mercy killing, or that it's a, it's a good breakthrough in science to produce a child, you know, whereas in which they consider it a right to produce in a laboratory Mm -hmm. a child rather than a gift to be welcomed or using human lives as laboratory animals allegedly in order to save others. Mm -hmm. So they hold those with this false view, hold that it is at its compassionate, for example, to administer hormone treatments to young people questioning their gender Mm -hmm. or that it's compassionate to perform surgeries for sex reassignment. So I asked the question, is it truly compassionate compassionate to mutilate a healthy body? Of course, we know the answer to that. Yeah. No, it isn't. And I said, can't we do better to help and treat people with gender dysphoria rather than turn to harmful experimentation? Pope Francis refers to these things as sins against God, the creator, who created us male and female. I also wanted to mention another parable that we find only in Luke's gospel that I think is especially relevant for physicians, but also for all of us, and that's the story of the Good Samaritan. There we see true mercy and compassion. 
It's a great parable. And John Paul II once wrote that everyone who stoops beside the suffering of another person, whatever form it may take, is a good Samaritan. And I said, for those in the medical profession, they are good Samaritans every day. Mm-hmm. And John Paul said once that, you know, he said, how much there is of the good Samaritan in the profession of the doctor or the nurse or other healthcare professionals. And when we reflect on the parable of the Good Samaritan, who goes out of the way, his way to aid an injured man, signifies Jesus, who encounters human beings who are wounded, in need of salvation, and he cares for their wounds and suffering. Jesus basically is the physician of souls and bodies. And that's what our healthcare workers' uh, vocation's all about, to, to share in carrying forth Christ's self-giving and healing mission through their profession, their work, their diligence in medicine, mm-hmm. their sacrifices of time and energy for their patients and their love and compassion for them. And I, I like the idea of, I brought in the first reading because the first reading was from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy. And I mentioned to them that St. Luke accompanied St. Paul and they accompany their patients in their needs and sufferings. Well, Luke was Paul's physician and that wasn't an easy job because Paul had a lot of health issues. You know, he had that thorn in the flesh, which we don't really know, but he had suffered many beatings and imprisonment and hunger and shipwreck and all this. I think he had a lot of health issues. And in his second letter to Timothy, Paul told Timothy that Luke was the only one with him. This was when Paul was in prison Mm -hmm. in Rome. He said, Luke is the only one with me. So he was waiting to be martyred. And the reason there weren't any others, Paul had sent some of his other companions on mission, but there were also a few who just deserted him. Hmm. Luke was the only one there. And I think that's kind of powerful to think about. I said this to them. Luke stayed. And that must have been a great consolation for St. Paul because he was approaching death. And then I said to the congregation, how much consolation you give to your patients when you accompany them, when you visit and care for them, when you're at their side, when you give them mercy and compassion and hope, maybe not always for physical healing or recovery, but the deep hope of eternal life with Jesus, the hope that springs from faith in the power of life over death and faith in the redemptive power of Jesus' suffering and death, and, of course, our faith in his resurrection. Yeah. So that was my message. It was great to reflect on um, on St. Luke and then also just to be able to celebrate the liturgy with so many good Catholic doctors and nurses and healthcare workers. Yeah. I guess I didn't even 
think about that. It's, it's neat how that fits in with the first reading on the Feast of St. Luke. I'm sure that's why it was picked for that. And how much Luke grew out of that relationship with St. Paul and how much St. Paul probably benefited from being with St. Luke and and how that might have influenced their writings and mm-hmm. which is influencing us today. So Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And also just a reminder that there are these guilds and, and if maybe if the one in South Bend is needs a little boost, you know, maybe somebody listening now can be the one to kind of pick up that baton and, and get that going again. And for others that are looking to get involved with the, the one here in Fort Wayne that's available too. And the conference that national conference, I think, uh, you remember where the next one is? I don't Phoenix Phoenix. Is it? Oh, that's a nice yeah. place to go. Yeah. That'd be nice to go there in like February. Well, I think, I think they usually do it in... In October. In October, September. Or September. Yeah. It's in the fall. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bishop, for that reflection. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Yes. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.